and welcome back to another episode of Drama School Dropout, the UK's third best drama podcast. As per usual, my name is Ingram Noble and I am your resident Drama School Dropout. And we are continuing to celebrate two years of Drama School Dropout and today it's episode 116 and I am joined by an absolutely fantastic actress who you may know from her stint on Waterloo Road and who is currently on the cobbles of Coronation Street. Please welcome to the podcast, Vanessa Hehia. Drama school dropout, no graduation day for you. Drama school dropout, thought your whole course, now try something new. Drama school dropout. Welcome to the podcast, how are we? I'm very well, thank you so much for having me, it's very exciting. You're very well, welcome to the drama school dropout family. Oh, thank you. I I'm thrilled to be a part of it. I do have to say, though, my eye is watering quite a lot, which I don't know why. Um, but I am having the most terrible morning and it's it's oh, really yeah. quite horrible. Um, so I bought um, new washing up um, pods last night. They were on sale in this cost of living crisis. And I was like, let's get the cheap ones. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I do this thing where I open it. I know you're not supposed to, but just to make sure it smells it. nice. And I was like... I was like, yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll get them. Um, it's not fine. And all of my clothes smell horrible. And it's really quite, like, and I bought 120 of them. And it's making your eyes literally water. I think so. Um, but it's just really, it's a lavender smell, which is really nice. Like, see, when you just smell the... The see, I thought you were just overwhelmed speaking to me that it just brought yeah, it to your eyes. It just brings every time I do this podcast. Uh, no, but the, my clothes really, some people might think they smell nice. But it's one of those smells that is really noticeable. Okay. Like, I can't get it out of my nose, if that oh, makes no. sense. Oh, no. And I'm like, do I throw them away and waste the tenner? Or do I just suck it up for 120 washes? Uh, I would give them to to a, to a neighbour, maybe, or a friend, mm. and just say, yeah. this is working for me, and, and happy Christmas. <laughs> yeah, to smell yeah. lovely. <laughs> <laughs> just, don't, just, just avoid them for the next few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> But how's life? Because we're we're sort of in this really weird period, especially, I, I don't want to talk about it too much, but in the UK right now, it's a weird period. But coming out of COVID and being an actor, I know you're on set and stuff. Are, are you as terrified as I am to catch COVID? Um, oh my gosh, completely, completely. So I, I've literally been sat on my sofa for the last three years during COVID. Yeah. Desperate, doing 101 self-tapes, not getting anywhere, telling my acting agent that I was giving up because I just can't do this anymore. Wow. And then all of a sudden, I've been incredibly busy the last few months with um, with acting, and um, I've, I've gone into Coronation Street, which is very exciting. Are we allowed to talk about that? I didn't know if we were allowed. Do you know what? I don't think I'm allowed to because I'm not on screen yet. And I'm when not is this coming that. out? Well, green the October 12th although now god bless Queen Elizabeth dying I think it's slightly changed the schedule because I'm recording off. slightly in advance so so um so I might be on screen oh you're one of my Christmas episodes it's fine Merry Christmas <laughs> everyone oh wow there's a great oh, we're about to shoot the Christmas stuff next week actually um but yes so uh but I, I it's a dream role for me I've gone in quite an exciting explosive storyline um but also I'm a uh, tell us about it because if this isn't coming out until um, December, yes, I won't tell anyone okay, don't worry sorry. uh yes I'm playing a lovely character called Esther who um is a woman who's been unable to have children and it's been her sort of life's goal to be a mummy um and I know what that's like I've got a daughter and she was very longed for and it took a very long time to get pregnant and this woman has gone through IVF and you know it's just not worked out miscarriage after miscarriage and um she she sees lovely summer uh, who uh, who's a regular in the in, in Coronation Street? Um, she meets her through um, her her dad Billy, who's the vicar, because Billy's been going through mm. some counselling with Esther to try and get over her last loss of of another child, and um, they sort of become very good friends, Summer and Esther, and they start hanging out together, going through their own, you know, they, they've got they've got shared sort of sadness really, and mm. then it's discovered that Summer is pregnant with a baby that she doesn't want to keep and Esther said if you consider going full term could I could could I adopt your baby and 
financially make it worth your while. So it's kind of like a dark baby buying storyline. Wow. Um, but she's Hello, very... the sun. I have an exclusive. Yeah. It's, but um... she's very religious and she believes that God has brought them together. It's not a coincidence that this is mm. the power of God. At least she didn't steal it like Ronnie Mitchell. No, no, it's not actually seeing it. It's just trying to buy a baby. Um, but it's just good people that are desperate to have a family doing Yeah, that will go family. to any means necessary. Yeah. So me and my my husband, Mike, Esther and Mike, we we are we are led by God. Um, but uh, you're yeah. allowed to tell us who's playing your husband. Uh, he's a wonderful actor called Tom Lorcan, um, who has done a lot of musical theatre. You will have seen him tip-tapping away in Jersey Boys or Blood Brothers. Very lovely guy. Um, but it's so funny. We're doing such a serious storyline, but I've never laughed so much. So it's been really nice. Like, real Do you know, good. it makes me so happy. That That's why I'm crying, because I knew you had this <laughs> job. Um, it, like... Right at the beginning of this podcast, I started like in the depths of the pandemic when people were looking and you kind of feel obliged at the end of every episode to go, what's coming up next for you? And everyone was like, I'm going to be sat on my couch looking at the same four walls. And then slowly, I feel like I've just followed the journey of, I hate that fucking word, journey. Um, (laughs) I feel like I've followed the timeline of people going back to work and it's been so lovely to follow and like, because I think everybody sort of expects you to be like, you're happy for that actor that got that job and you didn't. And I'm like, yes, I am. Oh, no, no. I mean, it's it's tough. I One of my best friends is we're, we're very, we look alike. I get told how brilliant I was in Holby City and it's not, but I, I know the actress, I'll pass on the message, but I saw her yesterday and it's funny because we go for a lot of jobs the same, not, yeah. not this one, but she got a job that I really wanted. It was between her and I and I was like, ah, but then when you found out it was, I found out it was her that got it. I was thrilled that it was yeah. her not someone else because you always want what's best for your mates and it's so tough you just got to celebrate all the wins and, and be grateful and happy for your friend it gets inspiring as well if they can get a job then you might be able to get one yeah. too but yeah things it, are definitely picking up it, it really is it's, it's, i it, hope so <laughs> that is coming your way. As, as a drama school graduate if anybody wants to employ me oh just get some lucky cats i don't know if you can see on on the zoom screen i've got um, seven lucky cats. They're waving cats. I've got um, two things on my desk that are um, lucky things. Um, one comes with me to my dressing room, but there's a story behind it. This, my mum bought me this oh, statuette of Peter Pan for it. Christmas. And I, my mum lives down in London and I went to see her and I came back and I, I couldn't be bothered to unpack. And um, I didn't, like I left everything in a suitcase and the day that I unpacked my suitcase I got a which was six months after Christmas uh, <laughs> just, just gonna say it. um the day that that happened the guy who voiced Peter Pan in the Peter Pan sequel for Disney agreed to do the podcast oh wow and I was like oh, that's a bit weird um and then my second one is this little Buddha that I got in Cambodia and um it it, it was never a lucky thing but now I believe that it is because it comes with me on all of my, like when I go into a dressing room and it sits there, but I've discovered whenever I touch it, once it's on the dressing room table, if I touch it, things go wrong. Wow. So now it sits there and I'm like, it it was actually, it was in the way. I remember sitting in the dressing room for Vanity Fair and it was in the way of something. And I said to somebody, can you just come and move something for me? Oh my gosh. And they were like, yeah. Buddha. I love it. I was like, yeah. They were like, yeah, I'll come and move something. And they went, what, what is it? And I went, that. And pointed to the button. And they went, what do you mean? And I was like, I, I can't touch it. And they were like, okay, okay, okay. Where do you want it? And I was like, just back like half an inch. Oh no, it's funny though. I mean, it might be a coincidence of whether when you believe something's lucky, it puts out. But I bought those and then my agent called as I was paying for these very expensive lucky cats going into my overdraft. Cause I was like, I've just got to get them. I don't care. <laughs> And then my agent rang saying, oh, Corey, you've been on. Would you would you have a read of this? And I'm like, interested. and I, I've auditioned for Coronation Street since I was 11. Um, I have had so many near misses, screen tests. I've always thought I was going to show, you know, I'm now in my 40s. Like, yeah. like, and she's like, I know you're going to tell me to fuck the fuck off. And I was like, no, I really need the money. I will definitely audition. Yeah. Um, and then the lucky cats. And then when I got the part and I got, it was the quickest process of ever getting a job as well. I did, I did the tape on the Monday and I got off the job on the Friday. One tape. Love that. Yeah, unbelievable. And then when I spoke to the producer, he was like, I'm mesmerized by your lucky cats, Vanessa. He now has a lucky cat. I'm like, keep me in the show as long as possible. Thank you very much. 
<laughs> yeah, every, every time you go in, you're just like, here's the lucky cat. I, I, I said, you know, the luck brought brought me to you, Ian. So here's a cat for yourself. Well, um, Ian, I'll buy you a cat if you give me a job. Like, yeah, that's um, it. He's going to be inundated with cats. Full now. disclosure, <laughs> I, I'll buy you a real cat. <laughs> But that, but that is it though. That was my fear when I started on Corrie that I would get COVID and they would replace me straight yeah. away. I hadn't filmed enough. Um, so I, I did like, I can't see anybody. I'll just stay in my house. And, yeah. uh, it, and then and then I went to a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> did you get COVID? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. And they do make you do COVID tests. So um, if, you're, if you've got to hug somebody in a scene, they, yes. they, make, they make you do two tests before. Just, just the lateral flow, not the not any for PCR. But it is a bit, and I, I was COVID backup for a Fox's Biscuit commercial at the beginning of the summer. And I was, and I said, it was like 12 grand. And I said, well, that actress is not going out, is she, to waste 12 grand? You would just literally lock yourself Yeah, up. I'd be like, uh, I'm now in prison. Uh, well, that's it. That's it. I mean, unless you've got kids and you have to take them out, I suppose. But, um... but I'd love a couple of those jobs. There was a woman, I went to drama school and there was an older lady on my on my course. I feel really weird calling her an older lady because she's like cool as fuck and I love her. But she was in her 50s um, and she got a COVID backup job. And they were like, even if you're not needed, like it's still like 600 quid. Yeah, you get paid your day fee. And I was like, I love that. Can I do that? Actually, Leon and I have done a few between us. My husband mm. and I, we've, we've been, he was COVID back up for, I think, a BA advert last year. Love that. I'd, I'd love to be. Paid. But so. my friend did actually have to go. What, she actually had to go sit on yeah. the set? No, oh, she, wow. She, the person got COVID. <gasps> oh, my God. That, and that, she got the job. Oh, wow. Well, that's never happened. But yeah. that's brilliant. She was, She got a phone call halfway through a lecture and she went, I've, I've got to go. I've got to go. I'm really sorry. And then we were all like, what's what's matter? What's matter? She's like, I've got a job. And we were all like, we went from like this fear of, oh my God, one of her children has died to, um, oh my God, that's the you go, go get your money. Yeah. Oh, that's why we do the adverts. <laughs> but what I do love to ask everybody that comes on the podcast is, how did you get into acting and what was your first ever role? And it doesn't have to be a professional role. We love a good nativity story. I mean, I think I think I came out acting, as my mother said, you were born <laughs> in the theatre of the cinema sisters section. Um, it was really funny. I was actually born on the Feast of St. Jude, who was the saint for hopeless cases. So um, it was nice that I turned up on his birthday. <laughs> my middle name is Jude. Um, no, I, yes, it's kind of, I'm from a very big Irish family and everybody is theatrical. So I think it was kind of weirdly in my blood um, uh, but yes, I mean, it was the nativity play. I did pay Mary uh, two years on the trot as well. Love, oh, that's weird. Because <laughs> um, normally it's like the primary ones that play like... Yeah, no, I went to a very tiny, tiny um, little Catholic school and there wasn't, I don't think there was many people available. So it's like, yeah. Were like Vanessa, she, um, she shined last year. I don't um, know what I played in the nativity. It's really sad. Nobody can remember, which means I was shit. No, oh, it was not like worth remembering. Even the sheep but nobody knows. Nobody knows. Oh, my daughter had the lead in her her whoopsie daisy angel. I was so proud. I could started young. And <laughs> um, but my first like proper audition, like professional audition, I had when I was about six, and it was for um, it was for Showboat that was coming to Manchester Palace Theatre, and they were doing open calls for a little girl. It was like two scenes, and she had to run stage and go, "Mommy, mommy, where's Dad?" Anyway, and I got whittled down for about two days, and um, I didn't give you the part. I know, yeah, but I, I, um, I didn't get the part because I was too tall, and they gave it Suzanne Shaw, who then became hearsay. Wow. <laughs> I mean, she stole my job off me. She actually got a part in Everdale years ago. It's like, even from being like a child, she stole my job. <laughs> um, but um, just that, a dartboard in the background with Suzanne's headshot on it. Yeah, yeah. But that, that kind of, um, that was that, 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 like, sort of getting into the industry. But I actually got my first job um, was an episode of Heartbeat, um, which I then went on to be a regular in um, just after I left drama school. But I got the job. This is very naughty. The first week I started drama school and when you start drama school they say to you, you can't take any professional jobs you have to be we don't want you to fall back into old habits no no yeah like you learn on the job so I got this first ever job and I'm like and it was on my 18th birthday I'd got the job and I was like what do I do so I basically I lied to the school and I killed off a member of my family I said my uncle had died and I had to go to the funeral in Ireland to take the job and then was praying that they just wouldn't turn on the tv <laughs> and see me on Arby. um it's but that, mad. Was, that was my first 
professional like telly job mm. um and I'd done a few little things like extra work I remember not getting a part in Coronation Street when I was about 14 and then my agent getting me an extra work and I did two days as an extra and it was so funny because I met the guy that played Roy Cropper um David um a few weeks ago and I was like oh my god I was like in a scene sat on a table next to you in a cafe but it was yeah it was funny how that things- whole um no professional work while you're at drama school baffles me like I do not understand it I do not and somebody once said to me who was pro not working while you're in drama school well you're just not ready and I said well the casting director would disagree if they got the part but of course when also you know you're a child still when you're going to drama so you're a teenager and look all these child actors I'm so I think it's I I, I mean I'm really funny about drama school as a whole because I I did try to leave several times I mean this is why it was great when this wow. came back drama school I was like yes that was kind of me and um, I ran away from drama I school. did defect I went back and I've, I've got my degree now I'm technically a drama school graduate but yeah I've I've got issues with drama schools I don't know anybody who doesn't I, I just I, I thought they just robbed me of the enjoyment of why I wanted to be a performer and um, try to turn me into something mm. I wasn't rather than you know encourage my strengths to make me as bland as I could be and that just wasn't me I remember my principal telling me I would never do Shakespeare because my cheekbones weren't high enough um bullshit as a matter of fact, I've got the most ridiculously high cheekbones going, but I was like, <laughs> beside the point, what does my face have to do with the fact of playing a performance? And I just think that's what's so wrong with those. Stories. I had two opposite ends of the spectrum experiences. And funnily enough, my first one, which was long and terrible, uh, revolved around Shakespeare. And it was, it, we've lived a similar life. Um, I loved Shakespeare. Well, I still do, actually. It's one of my favourite genres. It's like, I'd drop anything to run to the Royal Shakespeare Company right now. So if anybody from the RSC is listening, emails in the show notes <laughs> will work relatively cheaply. Um, and like, I literally, like my teacher just took a disliking to me and sort of made my life hell. And I was like, I don't know what I've done. Yeah. But no. then second time, once I did escape, I had a fabulous experience and I loved it. And it was a different school, a different group of people and different lecturers. And It, it is funny. I mean, I, I mean, I've had a very lovely career and I've worked an awful lot. And I obviously I, I did learn something along the way. Yeah. But um, I, I didn't particularly enjoy the process until my third year when I actually got to work with outside directors who yeah. actually treated me with the talent I had rather than having already have a, a preformed opinion mm. of me or the way I looked or the way I spoke. And I, I found that quite funny. But I did make the best friends for life. And that's the best thing about drama school is the people you meet. And mm. I still have my my tight-knit gang and I feel so blessed for that. But that really is the only thing I thought I took away from it. I really disliked it. And I have actually taught a lot in drama schools, but I don't teach the way I was taught. I treat Have you there. returned to your alma mater? I, I, ha- I did actually teach there, but not at the school I went to. They, they, are, they have a stage school as well. Yeah. And I t- lot younger students do you mind if we mention it Um, i know i don't no i went to italia conti the ba acting course um but i have taught at the at the state at the theater arts school Mm. in barbican and i taught on and off for about eight years here and there depending around and they're really lovely around jobs and you know i'm so proud of some of my students because i had like um uh like half the cast of sex education were in my class uh, oh, one of my favorite tv shows uh, mimi keen um you know um leighton williams uh, you know john mccray who was both of them were jamie's um, all the people that have recently rejected being on this podcast i'll have a word with them <laughs> um no it was you know it was lovely and i i, I really took pleasure in teaching those because i you know i, I also had you know brought me in really cool scripts to do age appropriate stuff that i never I had I mean I'm playing a 50 year old woman at drama school well, I'm so sorry that's not what a waste of my time uh, I played a 70 year old man yeah I'd never been in love before and I meant to know what it's like to love someone so much you want to kill yourself and I hadn't even yeah. I was a virgin going to drama school it's like how can I possibly play these parts and I know it's in the toolbox but it's bloody ridiculous mine was like a 50 60 70 year old man I can't remember a lot older than I was I was 19 at the time whose child had been missing for 18 years and during the play oh you're Irish you might know the play it's scenes from the big picture right okay Um, and during the course of the play we find my child's body and I was sort of sat there this whole time going how do you um like I don't know what having a son feels like and I was like how am I supposed to do this 
I mean, because you're never going to get cast that out there. So why do I just this? And life is a brilliant thing as you learn as you get older. So why are we being forced to teach students? It's just mm. ridiculous. It's just I actually though I got my agent playing a singing sheep. Um, and that I, obviously, I mean, I'll never be an animal, but I mean, that felt like at least a better casting than a <laughs> 90 year old Spanish man that was playing cards, which was also one of my roles. I'm like, well, that's going to get me a great agent. Oh, but, um, yeah. The singing sheep did actually work. So, but I left drama school early because um, I signed again. You can't sign, but yet they invite agents really early on, but you're not allowed Why? to sign. It's like, well, don't invite them then. But I signed with the most amazing agent. Weirdly, she just sent me a message about 10 minutes ago um, about my birthday party, coming to my birthday, um, that I signed with this lovely agent, Michelle, who was, who was only a couple of years older than me and so hungry. And she was like, we're getting you out of this school. And, you know, I was up and running and I left early and that went towards my final grade. And, you know, it's funny how it all works, but... Mm. Um, She's not my agent now, sadly. That was that was a long time ago. I, I did get confused. I was like, I've I've not been talking to Michelle. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, no, no, that's lovely. Sam, Sam and Poppy. Yes. Um, yes, no, but lovely Michelle. Oh, always, camp cam people are always love. I say that like they're like a breed of people. The people who work at Cam are always lovely yeah. when they get when I get in touch for someone. Like I very I very rarely I've only ever had two replies. One made me hysterically laugh, and then one made me just feel like I was a piece of shit, and that lasted about five minutes. So one was from this actress. It's the funniest thing ever. It was an actress from Camp Rock. I won't say who it was. Um, And I just got this email back saying, I'm really sorry, but I don't know where she is right now. And I was like, okay. And it made me laugh for a good like five hours just the way that because she didn't sign her name anything like that she was just like I'm really sorry I don't where she is right now and I was like slightly worrying but okay and the other one do you know what I'll say it fuck it it was Shia LaBeouf I was being um Mm. particularly ballsy that day and his agent emailed me back saying um Mr LaBeouf would not stoop to such a level And I was like, okay, fuck you, goodbye. Oh, God. I was like, just ignore the email. Do you know what I mean? Thank like... you very much. You're unavailable, but you know, I, I, I don't know how wh- why people get so arsy and think they have this. I, I, I can't stand actors like that. We're just to tell really you who's wrong. really bad for it. Oh, go on. Um, this will not stay in the episode because there's one <laughs> agent. There's one agent there that is really lovely and has never said no to me. Well, you think they're nice? No, they're fucking like they're my old agent. I, I, oh my god, we can definitely talk about this if you want. Um, I, um, I was represented. By... Oh, so took me on after I got nominated for an NTA. Um, and I'd moved from my first sort of proper agent from drama school. Um, and Michelle, because she'd given up being an agent mm. to have family, and um, she was like, we need to sit with a great agent. And anyway, through her and Rachel Freck, the casting director, I moved. To... So I'm going in and they're putting me up for the, like the biggest movies. I'm going up against mm. Tyler for auditions, which I'm like, I think I could just stick a bit to British telly where I'm really good at and people know me and I don't, I, you know, I really, of course I'd love a Hollywood career, but let's yeah. be realistic here. And, but I'd be getting breakdowns for like bony, dark haired, brittle. Now I am a small curvy blonde. You yeah. know? It's like, okay, um, do they know what I look like? And it got to the point where first six months had loads of great auditions and then it just went dead I mean like not even a commercial casting uh stopped hearing from just nothing and if ever I'd ring I'd get fobbed off to an intern and then I bumped into it at the toilets in the national she had no idea who I was she was like oh these toilets are friendly I was like it's Vanessa Vanessa hey here your your client she was like oh and then she started introducing me to every casting director she'd brought obviously another client of hers in the play this is Lisa Makin this is such and such and I was like I'm meeting dream casting directors in the loo of the national it just was one of the most embarrassing moments she's like Vanessa's an amazing actress I just wanted to die I got out of there you're like you don't know who I am and I just I just remember crying going I need to move agents and like now tomorrow I need to go um, it was terrible. It was just awful. Like your agent doesn't even know who you are. And when I when I eventually left them, and she finally took my phone call. She's like, "Oh, darling, you're leaving me." Well, when you're back on the cover of the TV Times, you know where we are. It's like thanks. And then I came in to pick up my headshots. She said, "We want to come and pick up your things. I'm gonna have a little glass of fizz to see you on your way." But she was always busy with Robert Patterson in the states because he was huge then after the Twilight stuff. And I went in to pick up whatever headshots were and I thought there'd be a few there because it was back in the day before you could actually spotlight online yeah. listed 
and that I'm not joking I, I could have needed a courier there was like three massive boxes of my headshots that had clearly never been sent out there's probably as many there as I gave them you know 18 months beforehand just was heartbroken and um and I moved to a brilliant agent after that and um and I got a job I got two jobs within like the first two weeks two lovely film parts and I was like oh my gosh thank god I am gonna work again um but it was just really scary but agents they could just be assholes and it's just it's not knowing who your clients are and if that I yeah. was like that's not true but the fact has happened to me I'm like oh my god so yeah the thing the thing for me was there was this they never replied up until about March this year until we got awarded third best drama podcast in Britain. Um, they never replied until that was made like public. And then I, I became friends with an actor through somebody else who used to be signed with them. Very similar story to you. So it's not an uncommon occurrence. And he eventually came on the podcast and he was like, why have you never asked me to do this before? It was like, we do a lot of the same stuff and we're interested. And I was like, oh, I have. He went, what do you mean? And I, I pulled up my email. And since I'd started, like in 2020, I think I'd sent eight emails. And he was like, I specifically told them I wanted to see everything that was like being offered to me. And he'd never seen a single one of them. That's very sad. Yeah. So it makes me think how many people are getting really good opportunities that they're just not passing on. Well, not that drama school dropout is a really great opportunity. <laughs> I mean, that's how that sounded there. No, 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 no. No, yes, it's, uh, it's very, very interesting. So. Yeah. It, it's the one agency I don't know if I'd sign with. Uh, I, I I would never go near them again. I'm um, a screen. I've got a screenwriting agent now, and I am. Um, that was the one agency I was like, I am not going anywhere near them. They're not getting <laughs> my commission. Do you know who is really lovely though? Just in case you ever need another agent, because I'm, <laughs> I'm quite good friends with them. Luke Olson Associates. They're great. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I've got like a friend like we've only ever emailed and stuff but he's really lovely over there and i came out of drama school and i was like hello i'm yeah. ready and they were like no <laughs> and i was like heartbroken um but talking about drama school one of my favorite things in the world that fueled my absolute life a funny or crazy drama school stories because there's some shit that goes down behind those doors that like people don't believe do you have a favorite story you can share with us um I, well, I mean, there's, there's, they're all kind of mishmash into one, really. Um, oh, sorry, my husband's just suddenly. Oh, he's always he's mopping topless. Lovely. Um, yes, I mean, you know, from wetting yourself on stage to turning up. Drunk. Never did that. Not, not, not. not <laughs> I remember. I remember one time my friend, my best friend Claire. Um, had to faint in a Shakespeare scene and it was so believable, but I ran onto the stage thinking she'd actually fainted and ruined the performance. I mean, that's yeah. just ridiculous. Um Props to her. <laughs> she's, a, she's, she's an agent now. Um <laughs> uh yes, and and the just business like, couldn't handle her. She was too, she was too people, good. People just being really silly and pulling down pants and you know I, I remember one of my friends just just getting so drunk it was meant this character meant to be drinking his scenes but he would bring on whiskey every night and by the end of the performance would be sloshing about I played Jimmy Savile also in a restoration play that was pretty much I was a big Jimmy Savile fan as a child <laughs> I was not expecting that um oh my god I think I, it's the only high mark I got I got a first for that performance it was the man of mode and I was basically the narrator I like created a part for myself and I had a DJ deck at the top of the stage I was on stage the whole time and I do all the new romantics music mm. and I'm like and then I'd be like calling out going there's a there's a Fiat Fiesta outside you see one two three can you move it please now then now then you know I had a yeah. wig on all the jewellery I'll fix it for you come on now you know um I was not expecting yeah, that, that, that was really uh, one of my highlights I mean obviously trying to run away you know lying I killed off lots of my family because I did keep working throughout my three time my three years <laughs> she's an orphan by the end of I'm an orphan. No, no, I've got a massive I've got 56 first cousins and you know my mum's one of 11 and so there's enough there's enough family members yeah. to, to to kill off um to go to many funerals <laughs> like this Oh, girls, girls. <laughs> yeah. It's like, don't turn on daytime television. I'm in doctors this week. Um, <laughs> just, uh, anyway. I we... have um, one of my favourite stories. It's not a drama school story, but I've never told this on the podcast, but you're the first person I've had on from Italia Conti since this has happened. And it, it's quite rude. The person was quite rude. And um, it's, but it's funny. 
like I, now that I look at the time, I was raging. So me and my best mate wrote a play over lockdown, and we were um, doing an online rehearsed reading to raise some money to book a theatre. And we basically just put on Facebook groups like we're doing this. Here's what we need. And this one woman, she emailed, and I wasn't particularly in the habit of reading things first i was just like copy and paste what they need and we'll watch the self tapes because we were big time casting directors and she emailed me back within minutes was like what you're not giving me an audition you're not giving me and i was like i've just sent you a self tape request like we're in the middle of a pandemic like we can't be in a and she went do you know what this is ridiculous you are however age you are and you think you know it and i teach voice at italia conti something along those lines i'm not going to dox her and she was like but i'm just going to quit now because what hope is there for my students if i can't get an audition and i emailed her back just saying i've asked you for a self-tape i attached a script that is the audition but because of the way you've acted we no longer want to work with you thank you for your time enjoy your classes at italia conti oh my goodness me oh wow and i was just like wow i have no idea who that would be but wow i'll try and find it and i'll let you know um <laughs> but no it was just one of them where you do you know like i offered you an audition like yeah. we're not turning people away here like <laughs> It is so funny though, talking about through COVID, how everything was a self-tape. And then just at the Christmas where they closed everything down again, and like the schools had closed as well, my daughter's school had closed, I get an in-the-room recall for a Matalan advert. And I'm like, the whole world is shut down. And I said to, said to Major, it's like, clearly they mean it's a, it's a Zoom with the director. Yeah. They want you to go in the room. And I was like, but like... The work, it, there's no shops even open in Oxford Circus. Why am I going into Soho? They're like, nope, they they directors insisting you come in. You walk in. And because I hadn't been in the room in like God knows how long, I was so like, would I was down to four as well. So you're like, this, come on, Vanessa, you can do this. Yeah. And the director was so rude. And he was like, I, I he's like, he said, I need the scene to be like when Harry met Sally, you're getting so excited over a piece of clothing. It's like you're basically orgasming, right? So I'm in the room going, oh, oh, you know, and I was laughing to myself because it's really ridiculous. Yeah. The director's mortified. He's in the corner, like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And they start, it's like, no more, more enthusiasm, really over the top. I said, so you basically don't want me to have any integrity and not actually act. You just want me to be over to. And I said, why don't you tell me what you want? me to do why don't you do the scene for me he went but I'm, but I, I'm asking you to do it. I said I'm asking you I don't know how you want me to so why don't you demonstrate well I think I was told to leave the room I didn't get the job I didn't get COVID thank Christ on the way home but I was like oh my god you can now become an official drama school dropout we're now on Patreon and you can help this podcast grow on so many levels As an official Drama School Dropout, you'll have access to unique benefits, including exclusive early access to episodes before anyone else. To become an official Drama School Dropout, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash drama school dropout. The sold out five star play is returning to Webster's Theatre. This is where we get off by Ingram Noble and Heather Spiden follows the Moffat family through some of the most difficult days of their lives. Yvonne is seven months pregnant, her husband Philip is constantly disappearing and leaving dodgy phone bills behind, their 18-year-old son Lip is debating joining the army and trying to navigate his love life, and their dog-breeding, sex-toy-selling neighbour Rhonda is still doing her weekly shop in their kitchen. How will they cope with the unexpected arrival of an estranged family member? Make sure to get your tickets from the link in the show notes below to see This Is Where We Get Off at the Webster's Theatre on the 11th of February, 2023. Um, But I do want to talk to you about Waterloo Road, which is where most of our listeners will know you from. It's where I initially knew you from. What was the audition process like for you? Oh my gosh, that again, was, was it was really quick and it wasn't meant to be. So I had only, my daughter was about eight months old at the mm. time. And I remember doing the ironing one day, watching it going, why am I not in this show? Yeah. I, like this show's in Rochelle where I am from. Why am I not in this show? And I, I kid you not, the week later, I get a call from my agent saying, oh, um, I've got your audition Waterloo Road. Now I went back to acting 12 weeks after giving birth. So stupid. I was breastfeeding. I don't even remember doing the jobs. And I kept getting job after job. I'd never been busier. 
and it's like I just want to be a mummy stay at home for a year you know have the maternity leave that everybody else is afforded yeah. but of course being self-employed you don't really get very statuaries rubbish like I need to I need to put some pennies in the pot um and I'd done a couple of jobs really early on and it was too stressful especially because I was exclusively breastfeeding so she was always on set with me and I said to my agent you know what I just I don't I don't want to go for anything more than one episode and it has to be in London I'm not traveling this time and of course hi Waterloo Road have been on oh it's an episode no it's a series regular um it's a year contract and it's filming in Glasgow because this is when it moved up. yes you came to Scotland I was like oh and I, I was doing an R-ing. my husband's like Vanessa you haven't even got the job yet don't be so arrogant just go and do the audition don't worry about it so get the scene scenes are really fun day of the audition I'm going in to meet in uh, central London and my daughter for the first time ever is projectile vomiting everywhere everywhere she's got like the norovirus and our whole flight is just covered in wow. sick I've put on like a they're like you know she's sexy she used to be there she would come in a little suit little you know suitcase very much yeah. like on tv I'm all dressed up I now have vomit all down me and my hair so I'm like I just can't go. It's a sign. I'm not going. Yes, yeah. but I can't leave the baby. Unsold. We're all, all literally in our underwear because every time we put clothes on, she projectiles again. And it was like, just go. You've done the work. Just go. Yeah. So I'm like, and now I'm running really behind schedule because I'm too scared to leave the child. Anyway, I turn up 20 minutes late wearing jeans, Ugg boots, a bobble jumper, with sick all down the back of the jumper, and my hair matted. <laughs> go into the toilet. I see um, Hannah Spirit from S Club Seven. What? makeup and I'm like oh god <laughs> and I'm like oh I should just go now you know you're like I'm just going I can't even do yeah. this I'm about to leave and like Vanessa oh you're here Vanessa it's like sorry I don't know if my agent called you I've got a sick baby whatever get in the room and it's everybody producer director exec producer usually just like the casting director oh no no there's yeah. like people sat around the whole board I'm like oh for god's sake this would be easy and they're like, hi, how are you? And I'm like, do you know what? Can we just jump straight into the scenes? I really need to be somewhere else. And I was so, like, probably a bit arrogant. Did the scenes. And they're like, that was great. Can we do it again? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, could you come outside? Could you come inside? Like, to, and, like, speak to us, like, we're the kids and have a go at us. I'm like, you're now taking a fucking piss. So I'm outside the door. I'm like, blah, 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 like, properly going at them. And they're like, great. So I was like, do you know what? Are we done here? Because I, I really need to go. They're going... Okay, okay. And I literally fall out the door. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you, thank you. I just, I just, I, I, I just need to be somewhere else. And I literally fall out and I leave. But in my head, I'm going, actually, that went really well. Maybe because I just took the notes, did it. I mean, I wasn't yeah. like there. Usually go in and you want to like, you know, make them like you, fall in love. He's like, I haven't got yeah. time. That's judge me on my acting. So I left. And the next day, or I get home and my husband's got a call to say he's been offered a film in Morocco for two months filming. Obviously, he said, I have a wife, a new baby. They're like, don't worry, we will fly your wife and baby out. We will put you in your own apartment villa. We're going to book the flights this week. So I then called my agent up going, um, look, that audition weirdly went well, even though I was covered in stank of vomit. Um, when are they going to know about this? I said, just I've been offered to go to Morocco. The, all expenses paid. I need to book the flights. I say this is Tuesday morning. Yeah. I, like, I need to know by Friday. So my agent's like, let me put in a call. He's like, oh, they absolutely loved your audition, but they're actually traveling around the country. They're going to Manchester, Liverpool and Glasgow casting this. They've got three more weeks of casting, so they won't be able to give you a, a comp, you know, they won't, they're not going to cast yeah. it until the end of the month. And I said, but it starts the end of the month. So they were basically going to allow the person they cast about three days to move their life to Scotland. I said, wow. I said you know what? I said, it's a joke. I've got a baby and a flight in London and I'm going to Morocco. So he said, leave it with me. And he rang up. He said, if you want Vanessa, now is your chance because she's not going to be available from tomorrow. Got offered the job within three days. Love um, that. So, Sometimes yeah. you've just got to tell them. Right, right. It's just like, you want me? She's unavailable. So I got the part. And then we had three weeks to move up, moved up to Glasgow and our entire flat from London. We, we moved out and then moved into a lovely place up there. But the day of like, even traveling, I managed to, the baby ran up. Uh, she, she, she rolled off the bed. <laughs> Hit her head on the floor. Uh, then she's, my mom, I'm ringing my mum, going, ah, what do I do? Do I go to, to the hospital or do I go to Heathrow? She's like, is she crying? I'm like, she's crying. She's fine if she's crying. Just go to the airport and get on the flight. In the fluster of the baby hurting herself, I managed to lock the keys inside my flat and my mobile phone and my handbag. So now I'm going to the airport with nothing on me apart from a baby and a bottle, I think, like the baby bag, but everything is now locked in, yeah. in, in the in the house and I can't get back in. And my husband's in Morocco. 
So I'm like, what am I going to do? Anyway, I get to Glasgow. I'm drink. I'm crying on the plane, and the the baby's asleep on my chest. And the woman, the there's she was like, are you okay? I'm like, oh no, okay. <laughs> and she's like, here. She just came out like a double gin, and I got I remember just necking it back and. I calling saying, can I borrow somebody's phone to ring my agent going, hi, Kevin, can you sort out? I've lost my phone. I don't know who's picking me up from the other side. It was a disaster. Where um, did you live in Glasgow? They, we, they put us up in these beautiful apartments right on the River Clyde. So all the cast were there. So it's about a 40 minute drive to where- I know exactly where you are. So we were right by the Transport Museum, which I yes. spent many a day um, and very near to Kelvin Grove Park, which is where my daughter took her first steps. So it was beautiful. Glasgow was incredible that year we were up there. And then my husband joined the show. Brilliant twist of fate um, as my lover. Yeah, because when I read that you were um, that you were married to, I didn't know that you were married to Leon. And I was like, I wonder if it's some little Waterloo Road romance. No, no, no. We've been married for years and had had a child. And no, he was he was actually up for a new regular. Well, in, you got me the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was up for a new regular in EastEnders, and I said, "You can't go for EastEnders. You're bound to get it, and we'll be we'll be miles away." Um, and with the baby, and who's watching the baby? So my mom, bless her, just moved to Glasgow with us and lived with us, so she could look after Lila because I'd get picked up at ten to seven every day. And then Leon, when he got back from Morocco. It literally was like a week and they would, they'd been ages. They'd been trying to cast Hector mm. Reed. And I didn't know about it until someone had said, oh, trying to cast this part. Oh, you're going to get a lot, a love interest alongside, you know, your husband, Twinkle. <laughs> uh, and I, when I read the breakdown, I was like, P teacher. Oh my God, this is actually my real life husband. So my age, my husband got on the phone to his agent and his agent said, we can't get you in. We've been trying for weeks. The casting director does not want to see you. And obviously they have their preferences. So I took in Leon Showreel to the producer, Simon Mayers. And Leon used to be a chef patissier, so the most phenomenal baker, with this amazing chocolate and Guinness cake. And I took in the cake and Simon's like, oh, cake. And I went, no, no, here's showreel. <laughs> watch showreel. Here's the You can watch the showreel as you eat the cake. So him and the other producer, Lizzie, I sat them both together and I said, Give me a, give me, you know where my dressing room is. Come and see me in five minutes. <laughs> and then within five minutes, Leon rings me going, oh my God, my agent's been on. I've got a meeting for Waterloo Road. I'm going in at the, like, the screen test on Monday in London. You're like, you're like, welcome. So he gets on the same plane as all the, all the producers from Glasgow to fly to London to do the meeting and then to get on the same plane back. It's the most ridiculous thing. And he got off of the job the following day and started two days later. It it's was a cu- couple of mad coincidence. How do you spell Lila? L-Y-L-A. My little sister's Lila, but L-I-L-A. Oh, lovely. It's very, it's very odd that you hear of another Lila. Yeah, Queen and of also, the also, my best friend's, um, well, it was my grandma's name, um, but my best friend's mum is a chef patissier, owns her own patisserie. Oh, you get well. Leon's available at the moment. He just finished a job, so... I, I, I don't <laughs> think she has any jobs to give out. <laughs> But yeah, anybody in the northeast area, check out Blackberries. Um, I'll give oh, her a yeah, plug. Lovely, lovely. Um, no, she made my she made my twenty first birthday cake, and I just come out of Macbeth, and she's done like this big book with a dagger on it. I was like, I love you so oh, fucking much. And pretty. then she just like I go in her shop, and she'll just hand me a thing of like jam, and she's like, there's a spoon. And I'm oh. like, here comes the diabetes. Yes, yes. Oh, Leon used to work in a cake shop when I first met him, a shop called Bakerboo, which uh, the, the owner, Zoe, not no longer she was the owner, she sold the shop, but um, is my daughter's godmother now. Um, but I used to love going to that shop. It was just like... What's your favourite kind of cake? Um, I, chocolate and Guinness is my favourite cake. Uh, and I love a scone as well. Lila and I have just started making the 10-minute scones from the BBC website. They're the quickest scones and they are brilliant um and i i love oh actually um a sticky toffee pudding oh i'm a red velvet kind of gal yeah that's also good that's lila's favorite mm. cake um and i love hot chocolate fudge cake with squeezy you know the the the, the cheap shaky oh. things <laughs> i'm getting hungry i'm not really good with dairy though so i always like at christmas i know i have to excuse myself because i'm going on the toilet <laughs> afterwards so i can't eat whipped cream and then die um did you steal anything from the Waterloo from the Waterloo Road set? I don't know what I was about to say. Um, sadly, I didn't get a chance because um, my character was meant to go back for the final season, and I basically got fired. <laughs> I got dropped um, three days before we were moving back to our flat in Glasgow. So um, I'm the only character in Waterloo history not to have a, an exit, not to leave the building in a car or taxi, which is something they did with every character. 
um, because the shared productions who owned Waterloo Road sold to Warner Brothers uh, in between wow. the latter half of season 10. And um, I was all signed to go back and I got a call from my agent saying, sorry, they've decided they're not bringing you back. I was like, they can't do that, can they? Um, I'm like, they can and they have. So um, I didn't get to steal anything because I assumed I'd be going wow. back, which was really sad because I didn't get to say goodbye to anybody. I mean, obviously I have, I've kept yeah. certain people. Fuck them all. I'm just blocking everyone. Um, yeah, no, it was it was a bit of a weird job because I'd obviously, I was a new mummy and it was very hard yeah. being away from my daughter. And it was, it was really long hours. And I was very blessed because the character had so much to do. It was one of the best roles I've ever played, but actually the job itself, I can't say I particularly enjoyed it. It was a bit stressful. There's a few people that have complained about Waterloo Road. Um, that way um like I mean, literally today uh, our day of recording an episode goes out with reese douglas who played denzel kelly and he didn't find out he was getting killed um they phoned him and was like do you have a recent photo and they were like he was like why and they were like you're dead we're halfway through shooting your funeral and he was like nobody told me yeah it, it's um yeah it, it was funny i mean i it was a tough job for a lot of reasons, but um, it was the bullying that goes on. I'm not talking about on camera. I'm talking about off it, and I'm talking about the grown-ups, not the kids. It was um, it was a very weird atmosphere to work on. Well, one of the actors in Waterloo Road, and um, three weeks in, I get a knock on my dressing room from the producer, and saying, "I thought she was coming to tell me what a great job I was doing." She said, "Um, I'd caused unnecessary distress to another cast member," and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I'm Miss Goody Two Shoes. I'm like, yeah. Not- so I was like, I, what, what, what? And she said, um, you on the bank holiday Monday. And I didn't know that they work bank holidays. Yeah. And a lot of actors, more of the adult teacher actors had all got rid of their contracts. They don't work Sundays, they don't wear the bank holidays. I didn't have a clue if they even did that, but they did, they they did straight sets. So sometimes you would work 10 days on the block, you'd work the weekend. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's really hard when you have a newborn baby. That's your breastfeeding at that point. I, I was trying to, I was trying to stop, but um. I brought my daughter in. Uh, my mom brought my daughter in on the bank holiday because I hadn't seen her at this point for 10 days. And I'd leave the house at 10 to 6, get home at 8 o'clock. I just didn't see her. It was yeah. And she brought her in and they were going around Greenock looking around the water. And they and I said to the I said to the producer of the second, like, um, is my mom and my baby all right to come in for lunch and the canteen? I'm like, of course, of course. And I got permission. They came in, but then there's nowhere to change my daughter's nappy. So I take it to my dressing room to change the nappy. And then, um, you know, within a few days, I get a complaint saying I'd woken somebody from their nap during their lunch break and had caused them massive distress. And they were putting in a formal complaint about me. Did you share a dressing room with that person? No, no, they were next door to me in these little tiny, like, porter cabiny thing that was in the school. And I just thought, and I said to the producer, who was a woman and had four kids, I said, do you do know how long it takes to change a nappy? 30 seconds. I said, I didn't bring the baby anywhere near set. She didn't cry. I said, yeah. this is ridiculous. Now, if this had happened now, that person would have lost that. They wouldn't even be able to say that. But I mean, talk about mm. stabbing another person in the back. It's a bit shit. Uh, it was just kind of heartbroken, not going to lie. Um, and then made and then decided to ignore me on set. So my mum was like, just kill them with kindness, this, this, this actor. So I would go up every morning and I'd hug them. Um, a question I ask everyone is if you were doing a two-hander in the West End and they came and said to you, listen, we don't know who's going to be your cast member, but who do you want? But they have to be alive. Who are you picking? We, I would probably I'd probably pick one of my best friends, to be honest. Um, my best mate is an actress called Rebecca Atkinson, who was in Shameless, who played Karen Maguire. Yeah, but I would I would pick to do a two-hander with Rebecca Atkinson. We've been best friends since, uh, what, over 20 years. And she is, is my, she was my bridesmaid. Um, she is that. the best actress I know. I think she's incredible. She was the lead in my latest short film um, and it's done very, very well. And that's all down to her performance. She just elevates everything. I've never, she's the easiest person to work with. So I think if I could pick anybody to work with ever on anything, it would always be her. No, I'm, she's I'm feeling awe of her. And she just moved out. I went to stay with her last week. We nearly killed a dog. <laughs> <laughs> There's the headline. We nearly killed, well, well, she's got this lovely little dog, Annie, and they've just moved into this. So she's she, her other half is Ben Bat, who yes. played lover in Shameless. So both Ben and Becky were both in my short film playing um, a couple as well. And we even got Becky's mum in it as well, playing her calling <laughs> and never any acting and performances off the chart. You've got like Emmy winning DOPs going, I love her. What have I seen her in? Like absolutely nothing. nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we, yeah, so she's moved to this massive house in the countryside. So obviously filming Corrie, I was like, oh, can I come? 
stay with you. So I went to stay and the dog is, 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 is like, now it's got fields to roam around and they have acres of land yeah. and new house. The dog's like got a bit of allergy. And I, I was like, and, and it itching. And I was like, oh, give it some Pyroton, like you'd give to the kid, because she's got a little boy as well. So I was like, I'll give it some Pyroton. Well, the next thing the dog starts doing is like inverted C's going. Oh, and this puppy wow. that wants to laugh, she's now crying on the phone to the emergency vet. She lives in the middle of nowhere. There's no vets by like seven o'clock at night. And I was like, oh God, oh God. And it was- I've killed her dog. I was like, and then it was just, it was just traumatic. <laughs> But yeah, so the dog, the dog was okay. Um, and uh, but yes, so but I, I would love to be on stage with her, not the dog, um, doing <laughs> doing a lovely two hander, not Shakespeare, because we always get the giggles when we go and watch any Shakespeare if a friend of ours is in it. We we just lose it. <laughs> um, yes, but we, I, if I could write something for both of us, I, I would. She's a bit like my muse. Everything yeah. I do, I write with her in mind because she's. I think been... you should do it. I think well, you do it. well, no, I the um. The short film screened in Manchester earlier this year and, and the following day I got a call to my acting agent um, saying um, uh, there's a massive production company, Emmy, Golden Globe winning production company in the audience, had seen the short and were interested in making it into a feature. Love so that. I'm so many meetings with them, but I, in the meantime, I pitched them a TV series, which it looks like we're very, they're very close to optioning. I've got to do one redraft on episode two. Would just like to say I'm available. Um, and yeah, I'll yeah, yeah. I'll work very cheaply. But um, but Becky is um, but, but Becky is definitely my muse. And uh, yeah, as we always joke, we can never get arrested in this industry because it's always quite. Well, we also go up for so many of the same parts, and we're always sharing our self tapes with each other. And we're always baffled at how different they are. But yeah. um, she she's just she's. I'm so lucky to have her as my best mate. So. I have to carry on my campaign that has been going for a hundred plus weeks now. Catherine Tate, please do a two-hander with me in the West End. <laughs> or do you know what? Just come on the podcast and like, but um, I've asked several times and it's starting to feel quite personal. Oh, I, I, I love Catherine Tate. Yeah, I think she hates me. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I would, I'd walk on hot coals for that woman. Oh, if I ever come across her, I'm ever lucky enough to work with her, I'll tell her to get her ass on yeah, here. Yes, please, please do. Uh, everyone else, I know she's not on social media, but can we all just put good vibes out? Because I love her. She's, yeah. one of my, she's like one of my heroes. But we're going to play a game now. And Ooh. it's called Stage Right or Stage Shite. And it's three stories. Two of them are the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and have been submitted by listeners. And one of them is a big fat lie that's been made up by our producer, Heather. I've got the answer in a sealed envelope because... If I'm not playing this game, I'm not doing this podcast. They're my favourite things in the world. If anybody's listening that has a story for the game, please email us at dramaschooldropoutpod at gmail.com. Number one. So we have to find out which one's a lie. Sorry, I explained that really terribly. One stage <laughs> shite, and um, we have to find out which one it is. Number one. My final drama school performance of Macbeth was interrupted by Scottish independence activists who took the opportunity of the Scottish play being performed, that's a bit of a tongue twister, um, to make sure everyone in our audience knew the benefits of independence. Number two, in drama school, I walked into our dressing room and all of the boys pee and walked in to find all of the boys peeing in the sinks that we used to wash our faces. I stopped washing my face after that in the dressing room. One time, very randomly at drama school, a girl came in just wrapped in a Union Jack flag. She was wearing nothing else under it. Very Halliwell. Yeah, we've. but I do love that we went from Scottish independence to wearing the Union Jack. Oh, I think I think the first two are true. Yeah, it would be. Could you imagine, like, what am I going to wear to drama school today? I know. <laughs> the Union Jack. And oh. um, Yeah, and I can imagine people getting up in a play doing that. Yeah, and boys have definitely, I've never. I've never pissed in a sink in a dressing room. I've never pissed in a sink anywhere, actually, I should say that. Oh, I've um, done it all over the show. <laughs> I went to a christening at the weekend and um, it was in a 13th century church in, in Windsor. I was being godmother and um, I just, I just, and they what said- this it like no... being in Windsor? It, oh, well, we did, we, the, the sat-nav avoided Windsor. Oh, right. We did see the castle actually from the church because it was, it was, we were in Eton, but um, yes, it did take us around so we didn't actually go through the throng because I don't think we would have even got close. But um, there was nowhere to pee, so I was like, "I'll just, I'll just pee behind the car." <laughs> I lifted up my dress, squatted down. My husband and my daughter are laughing, and then Leon goes, "Oh, Vanessa, there's a, there's, a, there's like a, a farmer behind you." And then obviously other cars pulled in, other guests for the christening at the same time. But then at that point, you know, you start peeing, you're like, "Oh, quick, quick, oh, quick, yeah. quick!" 
um, couldn't quite pee, so I think um, everybody saw my ass. <laughs> I shook myself. Um, but I've peed in all sorts of places, so um, not in a sink though. That's not very hygienic. I've done. I've done that. I've done. I peed in a water bottle in a car. That's a bit hard when you're trying to. Yeah. Shoot. I'm not a man, so it's a bit hard to wait. <laughs> you know, I, that's one thing I'm actually quite good. Like, I, I don't think I'm ever in debt because I will not use a public toilet. Really? Yeah. I have a very tiny brother. Having a child, I'm always needing a way. I, I think I'd rather pee myself than use a public toilet. <laughs> yeah, I've also done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like no, no, like I can't do it. Like I cannot do it. Like not on a train, not on a plane. I, I know people that can only use the bathroom in their own home which is very or if they're in a hotel I guess in their own hotel suite but they couldn't do it at someone else's house so if they come as a visitor I can do it in a friend's house but like I I mean I'm not walking into Asda and going oh I need a wee I'll just nip up to the calf and just pop in the toilet yeah I I pee all over the show no I've had I've had too many stories about um like glory holes and shit I'm not doing that oh dear yeah yeah no we're not doing that but I don't know I'm gonna go for number three is that what you're yeah, I think you don't that's have to agree with me. No, I do. I think, I think, I think the other two sound truthful. But if if it is the Union Jack is true, I I want pictures. So yeah. Heather, find the email. Oh my god, number one. What? Oh, so Scottish Independence? They didn't. That didn't happen. Ah. But people were peeing in sinks, and somebody did go to drama school wearing the Union Jack. What reason? I'd I'd ask what reason. Why? Mm. Heather, please find that email and ask for more information. Yeah, I, I want to know more because it is literally like a sentence. Wow, I, I, I kind of want to wear the Union Jack now. It wouldn't go down well in Scotland. Um, <laughs> no, it wouldn't. I'd, I'd be lynched, especially I live in the Catholic Central. Like I live literally, you'll know where it is. I live right across the road from Celtic Park. Oh. Yeah, like literally Catholic Central. I'd be lynched. That, though, so much. It's, it's a place that I, I fantasise about moving back to. Mm. Buying, my... buying a church and turning it into like a cool cinema. Yes, there's lots of um, churches that are theatres in, in Glasgow, one of which is Webster's, where my show will be on the 11th of February 2023. Ticket link Ooh, in, the, in the show notes them. below. Um, uh, very excited about that. Please buy tickets because um, we sold out the last one and there's a bit of a pressure um, to sell out the next one. <laughs> um, so p- please come. Um, but yeah, no, Glasgow, Glasgow and LA are tied for my favourite cities in the world. Oh, lovely. No, I love Glasgow and I love Norfolk as well. Sorry, my husband's just brilliant. Leon, can you not? Can you just go outside, please, darling? He doesn't. He, he doesn't need face on my phone. You can just shout for people to hear. <laughs> it's all good. Um, <laughs> Sorry. What... <laughs> it's all good. Um, you've had such a successful career already, and you've spoke about some of the stuff that you've done. But what has been your biggest "what the fuck is happening" moment? Um, as in things that you you expect and don't go to go terribly. I. Wrong always say good things so like somebody said the other day like they ended up working with Barbara Windsor and they were looking at Barbara and going how the fuck is this oh those are... you know what I have to say probably walking down the Coronation Street cobbles was a pretty I, I couldn't I was really surprised at how overwhelmed I was yeah and I was so overwhelmed that then I fell over because I was in really wow. high heels and then there was a bet on my first day of um how many times I would fall over <laughs> and the note was Vanessa you stop looking at the floor when you're walking I was like I can't the cobbles um meeting you know I got to meet um Rita Barbara Knox in the costume room just disgusting just a disgustingly yeah. talented human being and I just literally was I was I was such a fan. I was I, the night before. Um, I've been binging on Corey obviously since I got the job, and I hadn't watched it since my husband was in it about five years ago. But I um I I was really starstruck, and I was telling her how brilliant she was and how funny she was. She's like, "Oh, you're lovely. You can stay." She's a bit like the queen herself. She's like royalty. Yeah. Um, she was amazing. Um, and then seeing Ken Barley, who held open the door for me and gave me a cheeky mm. smile. I mean, I was like. <gasps> This is just absolutely brilliant. Um, so I guess, like, yes, mo- the most recent actually has been pretty overwhelming. Um, mm. I've, I've loved it. And I, I've obviously growing up with that show and being from Manchester, it's been pretty special. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And also, I guess as well, a moment from right at the beginning of my career, Heartbeat being my first sort of professional mm. telly job and then going back into the show. Um, I started, I did that obviously my first term at drama school and then I left drama school and kind of went straight into that show. That was amazing. It's like, I put out that I wanted to be in this show because it was such a nice working environment. Everyone was lovely. The 60s, the clothes, the hair, the makeup. And then to go back in, I was like, 
oh, this is amazing. I wish for this and it's happening. Like that was an incredible moment. Yeah. Um, you know, and four years later, I was still there going off. But obviously, chapter nineteen sixty nine, my character never aged. So I was like twenty six, and I was still eighteen. I'm like, I really need to leave now. Yeah, it's time. Um, the one person from Coronation Street I really want to meet is Gail Platt, Helen Worth. Oh my god, I had lunch with her the other day. She's oh so she's so nice. She's an icon. I'm on pills, you know. Um, she is brilliant, and she's so she's so posh. I, yeah. And do you know who else is really posh that I'd never expected it from? Alison Steadman. Oh, really? I've never worked like, with her. It happened, I, because we obviously know her as Pam from Gavin and Stacey, oh. and she's an Essex girl. And then I watched a documentary about Gavin and Stacey, and she's there, and she's like, yes, um, well, when I got the script, and I was reading the lines, I was, <laughs> and I was like, that is not what you sound like. Go back to the voice. And I was like, that was obviously a terrible impression. She's just quite posh. Yeah. Um, and I was like, Wow. Who was the other? We were talking about it the other day to somebody. Madge from Benidorm is really posh. Ah! Yeah, Sheila Reed. She has a, a really posh accent. And I was like, it's mad that all these posh people are just plain scummy people like me. I love it. <laughs> no, it, but yes, the, the, the Helen Worth, she was, she was delightful. She had a very mm. nice, healthy salad for lunch while I was like, free food from the canteen. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all of it, please. Drums, the wrap, everything. <laughs> all of it, please. Um, a closing tradition we have on the podcast is I get the guest to leave a question for the next guest and you won't know who you're asking it. But the question that has been left for you, it was from another Coronation Street actress. Um, really? Who I recorded with yesterday. Oh, who, um, who, who? Sally Carmen. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, one of my heroes. But the question that she has left, so I've kind of broken the rule that you're not supposed to know who it's from. Oh, sorry. I don't want to see it. We'll just pretend. <laughs> yeah. I definitely wasn't on the same podcast and so she'd be like, oh, fucking him, yeah. I remember she was <laughs> sitting on a floor. I felt terrible at the end of it when I realised. I was like, oh my God. Um, what are you doing to make the world a better place? I am writing brilliant scripts to entertain the yes. country. Oh my God, we haven't spoke about your script. <laughs> tradition. It's on, my, it's on my list, I promise you. Because you were part of the, um, is it the Channel 4 or is it just the four screenwriting competition? Four screenwriting, um, yes. I was on the mentorship last year. Out of four I got knocked back. <laughs> oh, don't you be, try again, try again. I was feeling a bit bitter after it. I was like, mm, fuck them, I'll do it myself. <laughs> no, but that's the attitude. I mean, it's just... It's it's so subjective, whoever yeah. picks up the script to read. And um, yes, no, I was very blessed out of 4,000 scripts to get selected. Um, and it has changed my life because they paired me with the most phenomenal mentor, a brilliant script editor and development exec from Hillbilly Films called Beth Ainsley. And um, she has, she has, she's given me the confidence to be the writer yeah. I am now becoming. Are so, you a TV writer or are you, do you ever uh, think about going off into theatre? No, I'm telly all the way. I, I literally live on a diet of, I'm oh, sorry, I was looking at my TV. I live on a diet of television. <laughs> so I, do I, but I find it like, I don't know whether it's just because I've wrote scripts for theatre for so long. I really struggle with like formatting because I, I do love a good stage direction of like a paragraph just explaining what the stage should look like. No, but that's good. You you know, they say direct from the page. I am, whenever I'm stuck of, on something, I go back to Craig Mazin, who wrote Chernobyl, and I look at his script. Um, and I and I and he has the most when you watch the show and you read his script, you were to do them side by side, it is exactly what is on the page is on mm. the screen. And I think a lot of descriptive stuff, in fact, a lot of my comments and compliments I've had from production companies, oh wow, we can see the world you're creating from literally the page. And I think that's really good. So I think, you know, I would definitely give a world of a TV script because I think sometimes mm. setting the scene and making you feel yeah. not obviously you know less dialogue is always the key I love I overwrite dialogue oh I'm same sure. what question would you like to because that was my life story in a sentence there I hope you enjoyed it, it. <laughs> random tangents though um what question would you like to leave for the next guest of the podcast But what's what's coming up next for you? Where can everyone see you? Obviously, you're on you're on Coronation Street. Yes, I'm will on. You Coronation. still be on? Yes, I will be. Yes, I'm there for a while. Um, hopefully longer. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure I can't. They'll keep hold of me. And um, yeah, I'm there on a lovely stint. And yes, just frantically writing. Uh, and hopefully. I'll be able to, there'll be, there'll be if, if I ever get back, invited back on again, I hope you have some different news to talk about. Um, I'll yes. go back to another psychic. 
Yeah, go back to that. Um, yes, just the writing. Um, and hopefully, you know, one of my shows has me as the lead. So we'll we'll see what Fun. happens there. That will be that will be actually, that'll be the dream part to be actual cast. <laughs> when do they go? We'll get Laura Aikman in to play the yeah. <laughs> yourself. You'll be like fuck that <laughs> drama school dropout kid. Um, I shall tell. I shall tell. I shall send her a message now and her that you um that she's playing me in the, my life story. She's constantly passed around. That sounds really weird. The way I was going to phrase that, she's constantly passed around my group chats. We're all massive Gavin and Stacey fans. And obviously she played the person who doesn't understand Gavin and Stacey. Like she is the personification of people that I do not like. She's like, what do you mean? What's a care? And nothing is. I'm like, but she played the part so brilliantly. Where can everyone find you on social media though? Oh, I've just, so I've just got a new Instagram because yes. I'm promised with social media. So I am Vanessa Hay here, 81. But anyway, I will let you get back to normal life. Thank you so much for doing oh, this. I'm really so hoping much. that all of the footage downloads when I come off of this. Don't worry, come back and I'll make it all up. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't ask you to do that again. <laughs> I'd be <laughs> like, we'll just put that, there was a conversation for just us. No, brilliant, brilliant. But anyway, I will let you go. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ingrid. Take care. Have a great yes, day. Have a lovely day. Bye, And there we have it, another episode of Drama School Dropout, episode 116 completed. Thank you so much to Vanessa for coming on the podcast, and make sure to follow us both on social media, which you'll find down in the show notes below. And if you're feeling extra generous, please leave us a rating and a review on the podcast. It helps us out so much you don't even know. If you have a story for Stage Right or Stage Shite, please go down into the show notes and click the link to the Google form and submit your story. And remember that you can now become an official Drama School Dropout by signing up up to our Patreon using the link in the show notes. Like I said, we are continuing to celebrate two years of Drama School Dropout, and on Thursday, we have the last episode of 2022. So make sure to come back then. Have a great week. Stay safe. I love you. Drama School Dropout No graduation day for you Drama School Dropout Fuck your whole course, now try something new, trying to